Dr. Robert Stabler is here. Hello, Dr. Bob. How are you doing? Not too bad, thank you, Dave. I like your topic today, separation anxiety. Very popular, unfortunately. Panic attacks happen all over the place, so we need to be very careful and watch our animals and try and help them. So you'll be able to give us some tips on that and That's some right. direction. Jeez, I wish it was television and people could see your top today, isn't it? It's Kermit the Frog Green, isn't it? Well, it's pet-related, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> me. It is a green top. You've got a guest it's, for us too, haven't did you? Did you want to touch it too? No, I don't. It's no. cashmere. <laughs> Oh, oh really? Yeah. So catch me, Bob. Oh, it is nice. Mm. Yeah. So, hi, Kermit the Frog here. Oh, he's I'm pretty good. Sesame Street News. He's pretty good, isn't he? You got a guest for us now? I, I do actually. Now, Dave, dogs surfing. I don't believe it. How about that? Dogs you think, surfing. You think they do you reckon you could teach a dog to surf? I don't think I could. No. Okay. Well, they we're going to learn. Surf. Dogs can't surf. Okay. Well, we're going to learn. Natural balance dog is about learning to read, understand, and act on your dog's behaviour, ultimately creating harmony between you and your dog. And we're going to talk to Christy Abowitz, who's the man behind this company. He's also a former tandem world champion surfer. He's credited with bringing SUP to Australia and he's famous along with his dog pack for opening the Noosa Surf Classic each year with the Surfing Dogs Spectacular. Next thing you'll be telling me they'll be able to skateboard. Dogs can't do that. Actually, I'll find one that can. I'll find one that can. Chris, how are you? Yeah, good, guys. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Look, um, this is uh, really, really interesting. Newcastle is a, is a surfing city, so I thought, why not talk to you about this? Now, uh, first of all, I guess my first question to you is, what is the Surfing Dog Spectacular? Yeah, um, every year they have a big uh, surfing contest, and Fletch Shop Australia got behind it last year, and, uh, and we do dog surfing with yourself and your dogs on a board. So where is this held? It's held usually at Main Beach, Nisa, first point where we have nice little longboard, dog-friendly waves. Ah, okay. Now, um, this year's event was uh, held a a few weeks back, um, and in terms of the the amount of dogs coming to do this, how many were there? Yeah, with the dog surfing, it's a bit more advanced stuff. Being in the waves, you have to have... um, good surfing skills and and good dog skills so we probably had about a dozen competitors this year oh fantastic and what about your dogs how many of your dogs surf uh we've got four dogs and all of them come out sometimes we take a dog at a time and sometimes we might put two or three dogs on okay two or three dogs on the one board yeah well tell us um okay talking about that what are the breeds of dogs you've got that do the surfing yeah, we've got a few different dogs. We've got most of them are sort of have a bit of working dog breed in them. Yes. Most dogs work. A uh, little secret, guys, uh, it's easier if you've got a smaller dog. <laughs> <laughs> like a Chihuahua or, or, or yeah, a Jack Russell. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I guess so, rather than a St. Bernard. <laughs> yeah. And the trick is, guys, before you go out and, and, and catch waves with your dog, it's a lot easier if you start in the flat water, say in a river. Where you, or in a lake where you can take the dog for a paddle, get comfortable with you and your dog on the stand-up paddle, and then work your way up to the waves. I was going to ask you, how do you begin training your dog? How do you dog? encourage them into the water and to do that, yeah? Yeah, that, there's a couple of good questions. Well, the first thing is, you know, again, if you're in the flat water, um, take them in the flat water and first start with your stand-up paddle board on the beach and just get your dog to walk on the board and off the board. Then... Put your dog on the board and, and put it in the sit stay, mm-hmm. and then bring the board in the water and start to do that. 
and just get your dog comfortable. And then the next trick is once you take them for a paddle, we've got some nice little sandbars up here. So when we take them for a paddle, we might paddle over to a little sandbar that's, say, 100 meters away, yeah. jump off the sandbar, and then we play a bit of fetch and running around with the dogs so that your dogs quickly um, associate the stand-up paddle with a happy place to go to. It's like putting your dog in the car and taking it to, the, to a vet for the first time. Just kidding, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so in regards to with that training, like a lot of training is also done with treats as well. Would you try and do it with a treat or it gets too difficult in the water? Um, we don't train with treats. Um, we just use, you know, corrections and rewards. So as soon as the mm-hmm. dog's on, on, on the board and doing the right thing, we're just, you know, praising it. If it starts to move or want to jump off, we'll say, hey, no, no, stay. The reward, the treat is going to the sandbar and, and, and playing fetch with it. Mm. So that is our rewards at, or the, our treat. And, and so it's not always necessary that the dog is on the board by itself. It's on the board with you or its owner as well. Yeah, more so is we are take it, taking the dog for a walk, but the walk is on the standard paddle board. So when we're going for a little paddle, it's, it's, it's like it's on the lead. It's sit, stay. As soon as we get to the beach or the sandbar, then it's got to the doggy park and it's having a run around. And do you find that they love it? Oh, absolutely. As soon as they see me um, with my boardies on walking to the car, I've got them <laughs> lining up. <laughs> they want to come with you. Take me, take yeah. me. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Look, um, I know that you have a, a long history of... Um, our dog behavior uh, training as well. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, the way you train dogs and also the new service that you're, you're offering that's something different and new, and that's uh, uh, offering training through Skype. So no matter where anyone is, you're doing Skype training. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, like uh, it was great coming and visiting guys a few years back and doing workshops, you know, in different venues. Now... What we've set up is uh, a studio where we're going to live stream twice a week and show different behavioral issues, and you can call in and ask questions or email in and ask questions, and we're going to address them live online. Then after the show, uh, we'll keep that segment up for a week, and you can and look at it. And then we're also from that, if you like what you're learning through the Internet, we'll be able to do... Skype lessons as well, or oh, we are doing Skype lessons as well. Oh, okay. So there, there's that live streaming you're talking about in terms of emailing a, a question or a problem you might have with your dog, and then you will do a video in regards to the response and your answer to that. Is that correct? That's correct, but we can also be doing it live. So if you call us and you say, oh, my dog's pulling on the lead, how do we correct that? Or what do you think of uh, choke chains? We're going to talk about those lives and show people talk about that live and, and show and explain people what's good, what's bad, and how the dog's reacting. We're also going to be inviting in uh, dogs that we've trained in the past, and we're also going to be working with owners and raw dogs that I've never seen before mm-hmm. and watch how they progress. That's fantastic. Well, look, Chris, that's um, wonderful to hear all that news, and especially in terms of the surfing dogs. I love that. Uh, what? And we'll certainly have you on the show again. And look, if anyone wants some more information about Chris, Natural Balance Dog, just Google Natural Balance Dog, and you'll be able to get his details. Thank you, Chris. There you go. Thank you for being part of Pet Chat today here at 2 in URFM. Is a song for the dogs. It is Pet Chat. Our vet, Dr. Robert Stabler, is here. Dr. Bob, talking about separation anxiety. 
Yes. What can happen? What goes wrong? It's really um, depends on the animal. I think the majority of animals, you know, they get over-attached to people. They rely on them. They follow them around. Um, it can be. Why have you gone? Why have you left me? Yeah. I'm sad. And you've got to practice those small departures so they feel a bit more comfortable. It really gets back to how much time you spend with them. If we're with them 24 hours a day and where they're suddenly not there, then they've lost their security blanket, they've lost their help, their support, so they do get a bit uh, concerned. Some of them actually, they can break through doors, go through solid core doors. Um, that involves then um, what we call self-injurious behaviour. They actually break nails and teeth and cut themselves, um, rip through tin, have some staffies that can actually rip off garage doors. They get so anxious trying to escape. Sometimes they leave little presents for us when we come back. And that's just panic when you think about it. They're, they're voiding everything, wee and poo, and there's just, yeah, they, they don't know what to do. They charge around the house, they rip off blinds. Um, some people, if the animal escapes all the time, put them inside and then they destroy inside the house and if they're outside, they, they run off. So you've got to try and find out what helps your pet to be more settled. And so we apply the basic parenting principles of long, slow, massage-like strokes, calm, controlled teacher voice, help them to be settled when you ask them to be, but then burning off that silliness and energy, so running around, playing fetch, tug-of-war or whatever, and then settle them down again. So alternate silliness with being calm, uh, helping them and modifying that behaviour instead of them um, just panicking and diving straight into running, make sure they have a, a refuge place to go. So rub your hands and feet on a security blanket so that it helps them to calm down a, pe- a particular spot underneath the coffee table or the barbecue table outside and then help them to to um, work through the um, dive straight into there when they get worried about something. Inside, the best place is next to the lounge. Um, security blanket again and just hold them next to you so they feel more comfortable. One of the other tricks is leaving your favourite local radio station on. So to NURFM, obviously, and that helps them to be calm because that's the music that helps you to feel calm and comfortable and happy. Um, we do have to sometimes get go to sedation and sometimes to actually anti-anxiety medication to help them to not overreact in those separation situations. To NURFM is his pet chat. So we've got Dr Robert here for you right now. Hello, who's calling? Hello, it's Diane. How are you? Good, Diane. How can we help you? Um, I have two schnauzers, a male who's about to turn three and a little girl who's two next or this month. Yep. And the male chases the grandchildren, are they playing together, but then he starts nipping at them, Not has broken the skin on a couple of occasions, and uh, which, of course, you know, upsets the uh, children and uh, their respective uh, son and, our son-in-law and daughter-in-law. And we just don't know what to do with him. Um, we don't want to have to put him, you know, in a room when we have the grandchildren come up. But, um, you know, what, how do we stop him from biting? The important thing is all children under 10 should always be supervised around dogs. And yes, so they are. always yes. watching. But if he's just not able to control himself, he needs to be on lead, preferably right. at a bit of a distance so he's not right next to them. When you Uh think about kids, grandkids, they're excitable, they're bouncy, they're noisy and they move in lots of different strange directions. So it's harder for animals who are not used to kids to to get used to that. So um, just nice, calm, slow strokes. Put your body as a partial barrier between him and uh, the kids that are playing and bouncing around. Step behind a partial barrier, a table, a lounge 
And when he's settled, then he can watch them a little bit. If he can't be settled and you go behind the partial barrier and he's not settling down, out of the room. Yeah, okay. So he has to um, hopefully settle down. If he's not able to take treats when he's watching, that means he is either a bit aroused or a bit anxious. Okay. And so we need to go further back and further away and take it very slow, gradually um, desensitising him to the noise and the excitement. Um, with two dogs as well, they tend to incite each other. The nipping is, yeah, them trying to control what's going on. So make sure that you redirect that towards a toy or a towel. And don't right. don't let him practice it. We want them to practice good, calm behaviour, not problem behaviour. Okie dokie. Well, thanks for your help. Okay, hope that helps, Thank Diane. you. And now on the uh, phone we go to Mayfield West where Stephen's waiting patiently. Hello, how are you? Good, Stephen. How can we help you? I have a, a six-month-old uh, Great Dane and she's digging holes in the backyard. Was that um, just in the last couple of months or...? Um, well, it was... No, she's been doing it, I'd say... Right from the beginning. We got her. Yeah. yeah, so it is really good fun. Bigger dogs um, tend to, unfortunately, make bigger holes. I don't know why that is, um, but it's uh, it's something that they do as well up to about the age of a year or so, yep. um, and it is good fun. Sometimes they do it for getting cool, and they lie in that oh, little scrape. And sometimes they actually um, will be digging for an insect or they've found the water pipes or something like that. Very, it's not something that you will actually be able to, to stop completely. There's no point directing them towards a, uh, a sand pit or anything. I just haven't found that very successful. You can try putting chicken wire over the top of one hole, but that just moves to the next one. The most important thing is lots of play. So you burn off the energy with appropriate play and toys and so that they're less likely to want to go back to the digging. The other thing you can do, though, is a clamshell or wading pool. Put water in that, and that way they can play in the water. Much less damage. You then fill it. You don't have to fill the pool up. It's just a couple of um, centimetres or whatever in the bottom. They play in that, and then you tip it out each night to stop the mozzies. Put another couple of centimetres in the next day, and that way they can cool down as well as um, have fun playing and splashing. Is the digging a sign of boredom from the dog? Oh, it's just a very um, deep brain instinct. It is something that they want to do. It's good fun. They get a lot of joy out of it. Two dogs, if they're digging as well, can create some pretty massive holes. Have had some people that have actually had their foundations moved with a two to three metre hole, wide hole, and one to two metres deep. Hello. Hello, Therese. How can we help you? I have a troublesome foxy that um, gets me up at four... 20 every morning, regardless whether I'm up for work or not, howling. And for howling. Get up. Yeah, and howling at um, bats or cats or the neighbour getting up for work or. No, howling for me to get up and be with him. Oh, he's an outside dog? Yes. Okay, so it's important to help to set him a, a reasonable refuge. Make sure you give him a feed last thing at night so that he's got some, some food to fill up his tummy. Um, the problem is the more we get up to him, the more likely he is to keep doing it at that particular time. But often you'll find that's when there might be a possum returning back from where it's been feeding and going over your back fence. Sometimes it is um, people getting up for work, cats that are roaming around, um, setting up a nice um, refuge, a comfort zone, a den-like area outside, put a radio on so it masks the other sounds, but he'll still be able to smell what's going on. But if you do get up to him, just say, no, not the right time, and just long, slow strokes to help him to settle. 
uh, maybe a, cup, a, a few bits of dry food or a bone or something to munch on and then walk away. Don't spend too much time. Otherwise, they can certainly become very yeah, manipulative. How old is the dog? Uh, he is uh, 12. Uh, okay. So yeah, so um, I do, at times I have done exactly what you said, get yep. up and pacify him and send yep. him back to his own bed. But roughly about half an hour thereafter, he's doing the same thing for me to get up again. Yep. And he gets desperate and throws a bark in. Yeah, so if it's if he's twelve, there might be some Alzheimer's coming to coming into play there. Okay. So take him down for a checkup at your regular vet, and so that they can check and see how he's going. Um, if he's been doing it through the summer, it's unlikely to be just cold. It could be just that his brain's just thinking it is time to get up, and there's some some damage to the the body clock. Or um, so it's yeah. As we get older, the brain just doesn't. Work as well. <laughs> All right. Now we might have. We had another caller here who may have a uh, solution for the problem of digging the holes. Uh-huh. You ready for this one? Yeah. Okay. The cure for dogs digging holes is you bury their poo in the holes. It's a common um, answer. I guess I wouldn't like to be um, playing around in that, and I certainly wouldn't want the dog jumping up on me after it had done that. So it's not one I tend to suggest. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. That was one of our listeners offering but it a solution. a very then. common um, possibility for a solution, yeah. We've got John with us right now from Toronto. For you, Dr. Bob. John, how, how can going? I help you? How you going, Bob? Good. Mate, I've got uh, my, my beautiful little dog, Marley. Um, she's a Tennisfield Terrier across Kelpie. Um, and she just had this habit of licking. And, I mean, she doesn't just lick me. She licks my partner. She licks the kids. And she just never stops. And is that when she wants attention or just sitting next uh, to you? or Whenever she'd be sitting there quietly and all of a sudden she'll just start licking. Yeah. <laughs> many, many a look at her, she starts licking. And even while she sleeps in the bed and that, she cuddles up and she just wants to wake you up by washing your face and washing your ears and your nose and, and your arms and your legs, <laughs> whatever. Usually, she just goes crazy. Yeah, usually what I say to people is to try and remember what they last licked before they lick you is oh. usually helps them people to, to, oh. to not allow the dog to do that. But some people are very happy with licking. So A lot of those enjoying lunch <laughs> sorry about that um, but it is it's a sort of an appeasement gesture it's attention seeking it's wanting to get um, more time with you so it's like parenting we have to spend quality time with our kids it's not only sitting quietly and reading but it's going out and playing it's then um, walk going for a walk and it's if they're being a bit rude just ask them to go and sit in their blanket and that being a bit further away from you so they're not right next to you Sleeping in the bed's not a major issue as long as um, they don't have any aggression issues towards you. Um, but, yeah, all children under 10 should always be supervised around animals. So the problem is the lick, if they're excitable, the, the kelpie component can turn into a mouthing or then a nipping. So redirect it towards a, a toy or a, or a towel. And we've got Lynette with us now from Belmont North. Lynette, how are yes. you today? Very well, thanks. That's good. How can we help you? I've got a husky and she's 10 years old um, and she's got this dreadful smell. She hasn't got anything wrong with her skin or, um, there, yeah, there's just nothing wrong with her. She gets bathed every, she gets bathed once a month. Yep. Um, but she's just, and it's just a new, it's like she's had it probably now for about six months. Um, I don't, and I don't, don't know what, I don't know what it is. I don't know whether she's just getting old or whether it's stress. Her um, 
my husband had a serious um, motorbike accident and we don't know whether it's stressed from that. Mm. How um, was the smell coming from her mouth or her backside or just the oh, coat? No, it's just all over her. Yep. So if she just walks past you, you can smell her. Have you changed her diet recently as well? Well, um, we changed her diet. She always got uh, salmon overnight and um, tuna. And every morning she always got a chicken leg and she gets some um, dog biscuits in the day. And because of the smell, probably I'd say a couple of months ago now, I stopped giving her the salmon overnight and started giving her um, like lamb bones or some, some form of red meat. So important, uh, especially with a 10-year-old, to actually go more towards a senior diet so that you're actually using dry food that's specially formulated for her age. Um, Sometimes different um, meats and things can cause slightly different aromas. I would be concerned that she is upset about your husband's accident. What I would suggest, though, is to take her down to your regular vet so she can get a checkup to see that there's no other medical causes that might be contributing to that. Certainly check her in the mouth for her teeth, any... um, um, bad rotten teeth or something that might be there, anal glands they can check. There are some diseases too that can make an animal smell a bit different, so like diabetes, but you'd notice more drinking and wanting to eat more. So, um, yeah, be good for a general checkup and maybe swap across to a, a, a more senior diet or an older animal diet that you can get from most uh, vets or pet shops or whatever. But, mm. yeah, I would be concerned if it suddenly changed in the last six months, then there's something happening that we need to investigate further. To in your RFM, it's Pet Chat for a Wednesday afternoon. Daniel Carrington, our pet rescue animal of the week, is a turtle. It, it Well, what? its name is Turtle. It's not a turtle. But it's not a turtle. Oh. No, no, it's a female Kelpie, a 10-month-old female Kelpie. Turtle. Turtle. But it's cute. Very cute. Now, Turtle, who's a female Kelpie and 10 months old, is very sweet-natured and easygoing. She's not fussy at all. She loves playing around with other dogs her size. She loves hanging out with humans. She's great outdoors. She's great indoors as well. Um, and she she is easy to get, get along with. She loves playing with toys. She's also very smart, Dave. Mm-hmm. So in terms of training, whether you do obedience training or any other type of training, she'll pick it up very quickly. Quickly and it will keep her mind busy. So if you are interested in Turtle, she would make a great, great pet. You can go to the 2 RFM website and have a look at her. Have a photo. We have a photo of her on there. Also, you can contact Anita and her number is 0400 and she's from Dog Rescue Newcastle. So have a look at Turtle. Russell from Morpeth, we have got Dr. Bob here listening to you. Yeah, Dr. Bob, um, I've got a purebred Goldie. Uh, he's 18 months old and um, he jumps up on people when I walk him. And I've been told to socialise him a bit more, but I don't know exactly what that means. I've taken him to shopping centres, but he just does the same thing. And like when he was a little puppy, he, he everyone thought he was cute and, and you'd jump up on him. But now that he's older and a bigger dog, he's quite a big dog even for a Goldie. And he still keeps jumping up. He just loves people, you know. Um, how can I knock him out of that? Um, the, the important thing is that he is a golden retriever. They usually do like people. The problem is that mostly um, when they do jump up, they can scratch, they can push, especially on older people. They can end up with some injuries. The important thing is to keep him on lead and at a bit of a distance. 
if he looks as though he's going to bounce or jump, then just put your foot on the the loop in the lead between your hand and, and him so that he can't actually leap up. Um, or just put your finger in his collar, hold him next to you so that he approaches from a lower angle. If people are comfortable, if they can actually squat down next to him from the side rather than face on, the more face on you are, the more likely you are to be scratched and the more you can um, get the whole escalation of the, the threat and the challenge and that sort of thing that might happen. Um, the old things of, of kneeing a dog in the chest is not nice. You wouldn't do it to your friends, so you don't do it to an animal. All right. Now, Leslie from Mayfield has a smelly cat. Hi. How are you? Good, Leslie. Yeah, um, it seems to be it's, he's one year old, and the vet twice often mentioned it to the vet, but they, they just say they can't smell anything. But it seems to be when he nips me, the saliva left on my hand, it just smells like smelly socks, and it's still going a year later. Okay, so it, it may be that he's either got some teeth issues. Normally they've finished changing teeth by um, three to six months of age, so we need to um, have a quick check of the mouth. If you give him some more chicken necks or wings um, or turkey wings or necks, then that will help him to chew more, or you can try a special diet that is helping to keep his mouth a bit healthier. But the most important thing is that he shouldn't be nipping at you. So always redirect any sort of affection towards a toy or a towel. Always hug him to your side, point the sharp bits away, long, slow massage-like stroke, head to shoulder, rump to tail, and um, redirect any sort of mouthing or nipping at uh, an object. So uh, I would certainly be checking, um, taking him down to your regular vet again and just see there's no um, teeth that are stuck or there's no bits of bone over that a tooth. And our final call of the day is Susan from Maitland. Hi, I've got a little Maltese Shih Tzu that's just absolutely terrified in this windy weather. A male or a female? Little girl, two years, and like she, she gets scared in storms and, you know, things like that, but like the wind picked up yesterday afternoon and she literally hasn't stopped shaking and she just hides. Okay, sounds like she actually um, has some mental health issues and mental health is tidal. It comes and goes. The storms have just kicked her, kicked her over a threshold. She's unable to cope. If she's shaking and trembling, she probably needs to, get to go down to your regular vet and have some maybe some anti-anxiety medication. The things you can do to help her, a familiar radio station, security blanket, um, hugging and reassuring, um, but don't accidentally reinforce the fear and, and panic, but calm, controlled teacher voice. All righty. Thank you for your calls today on 49216216. We'll do it again next Wednesday afternoon. Almost out of time. Thank you, Daniel Carrington. Goodbye. Thank you, Dave. Then uh, also thank you to Dr. Bob, who's back in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks, Dave.